hour number two, Bill Michael Show. Show's flying by. You know, I I have a problem because, you know, I listen to Bill for four hours every day. And it's always been a life skill of mine to watch a TV show or listen to a radio show and then just regurgitate, just spit it back out. Like, not as an impressionist, but, like, I, I'm very good at, I'm like a parrot. Like, if you play something for me, I will be able to just spit it back out to you. I listen to Bill for four hours a day. I feel like I could basically do Bill Michaels for four hours. All his turns of phrase, his expressions, that he goes in and out of breaks. I feel like I could. I probably shouldn't because it would be taken the wrong way. Like, I'm mocking him, and that's not what I would be doing. But I, I feel like I have so many Bill-isms saved in my saved in my brain. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Bill will be back on Monday. Uh, he's just taking a day off going into the weekend. So you can tweet me during the show. You can give me a call as well. 608-321-1670. We just heard a little bit from Matt LaFleur and some of the comments that he made last night to the media about this, that, and the other thing. Christian Watson spoke with the media as well. And I was hoping that I had just this specific piece of audio for Mike Clemens, and I don't. I have the full press conference. I don't want to listen to the full press conference. I just want to play you this comment, but I don't have the audio for just this comment, so I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, This was tweeted out by our friend Ryan Wood, Green Bay Press Gazette, uh, PackersNews.com. This is Christian Watson on his efforts behind the scenes to try to stop recurring hamstring injuries. So this is what he said, quote, there's a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of crazy machines out there, stuff like magnets, all that type of stuff. There's a lot of gurus out there. I try to stay away from that type of stuff and try to work with scientifically proven stuff, a lot of stuff. I think the main focus is working on the back, the hips, and making sure I can get stronger in other places, just so those types of things don't put more stress in that area. I'm assuming he's talking about his hamstring. That's what I've been doing. I've just been trying to find, instead of focusing on the hamstring, go out and talk to people who are experts in the back, experts in the knees, and stuff like that. This is an interesting answer. It's also funny because it's basically talking about like, I like to stick with scientifically proven stuff. And I know he's not, there's no way he's directly taking a shot at Aaron Rodgers, but that's how it would read uh, if you were a hot take radio artist, which I am not. Uh, again, I, but if I was, that's that's how I'd read it. That's what Christian Watson said. I, I said on my show last night and it, it seems backwards. It, it seems wrong. It seems upside down. But I'm trying to talk myself into the logic of, well, the more times that Christian Watson hurts his hamstring, the better he will get at fixing it. <laughs> Is that dumb? Does that does that make any sense? Are you listening like Grant? That's that's not how that works. I But I want to believe that that's how it works. You know, it's like, well, the more times you get pulled over for speeding, the better you'll get at avoiding the police on the interstate for getting pulled over for speeding. Right. It's probably backwards. Upside down logic. But I would like to think that as he gets injured in the hamstring, you know, he dealt with it. I think it was just once last year. He didn't have a second one last year, did he? He bonked his head against the Bills. And then after that was pretty okay. And then he tweaked his hamstring in camp this year. And then the other night against the Chiefs. I would like to think and I would like to believe and maybe I'm twisting logic and and trying to talk myself into something. But I would like to think that As he injures his hamstring again and again and again, he's getting better at understanding why he's injuring his hamstring. He's getting better at rehabbing it, getting better at preventative medicine. We're not very good with preventative medicine in this country. Now, sports is a a whole other thing. But if Adam Silver can cite a strong national defense when discussing the global reach of the NBA, I can can talk healthcare dynamics in the United States when talking about sports medicine. No? Bridge too far? 
I would just like to think that Christian Watson is getting a better understanding of his hamstring. And ultimately, at the end of the day, look, if his body just doesn't work and his body won't let him play at the level he needs to play to be an NFL player, I, there's been lots of great football players that have never lived up to their potential just because their body wouldn't let them. That happens. And it's not necessarily the fault of these athletes. I hope that's not the bucket that Christian Watson ends up in. I would like to think that as he has more experience with his hamstring, he's getting better at understanding it and getting better at what he needs to do. That was one comment I needed to play you. I had a dream last night that Christian Watson played against the Giants, and he looked awesome. And then I came on the radio the next day, and I said, hey, all you people that called Christian Watson a China doll and said he can't stay healthy, look, he didn't even miss a game. And you all overreacted in the moment. But that was just a dream. I also, a couple of weeks ago, had a dream that I was having a beer with Craig Council at spring training in the spring of 2024. And then he went to the Cubs. So I, I, maybe my dreams aren't a great indicator of what is to come. But I just wanted on the record that I did have that dream last night. In case it does turn out to be true, then I, uh, I get credit for that one. That's a, that's a, that's a notch on my, on my prognosticating belt. Talked about Matt LaFleur. That's the latest on Christian Watson and what's going on with him. Matt LaFleur said yesterday, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I know that could mean two or three weeks, right? That that doesn't mean that Christian Watson is about to come back. But there's a difference between Matt LaFleur saying, yeah, it's, it's a fairly significant injury. It might be a while versus hopefully sooner rather than later. Both of those responses are very general, uh, nondescript, right? Not overly specific answers, but they do mean very specific things, right? They're kind of casting the vibe to us of exactly what we should expect and what we should believe about any given injury. So while he did not say a week or two, he was never going to say a week or two. He was never going to say five or six weeks. There's there's two responses from a head coach, both very generic. He can say, oh, sooner rather than later, hopefully it won't be too long. Or he can say, yeah, it's a significant injury. He might be out a while. And he said the former, not the latter. So that gives me some optimism. I'd be shocked if he plays Monday night, but I think hopefully we see Christian Watson again in the lineup sooner (laughs) rather than later, according to Matt LaFleur. And hopefully uh, he doesn't miss too many of these games down the stretch because they're going to need him. The offense looks different with him out there. 608-321-1670. Twitter at Wisco Grant. We talked about Matt LaFleur. There's the latest on Christian Watson. Let's talk about Joe Barry for just a little bit. I see a lot of numbers being tweeted around this morning about Joe Barry's defense, this, that, and the other thing. Talked about Joe Barry on my show last night. Joe Barry is a, a, a wide and deep topic for sports radio. You cannot have a simple surface level conversation about Joe Barry because there's a lot of different dynamics at play, right? When you talk about Joe Barry, you really have to start at the beginning. A very good place to start. You have to go all the way back to when Joe Barry was hired. And you have to consider what type of defensive coordinator Matt LaFleur was getting what he was looking for when he hired Joe Barry. That's very important to the career arc, the story arc, the character development, if you will, of of Joe Barry. Matt LaFleur, when he went out to replace Mike Pettin in what would have been 2020? Yeah, 2020. When he went out in 2020, he said, I want someone who runs the Vic Fangio defense. I want someone who runs the defense the Vic Fangio does, the Brandon Staley does, the defense that is putting a lid on Patrick Mahomes, the defense that's putting a lid on Josh Allen, the defense that's taking away big shots, a defense that forces an offense to march up and down the field methodically, patiently. That's what I want. Okay? That that was what Matt LaFleur was buying. So when he went to the store, the defensive coordinator store, and, and put in an order, he ordered Joe Barry. He very specifically wanted a coordinator that coordinates that type of defense. 
So I, I don't I don't think Matt LaFleur had any aspirations or any dreams or misconceptions about a defensive coordinator that was going to come in and load up on the blitz, run a 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, and, and, and be super aggressive and, and this and that. No, he wanted someone who runs this type of defense. It's a defense that's a little bit softer. It's a defense that has some designed bend, but a defense that kind of bets on the offense making mistakes. And a lot of times this year, the bets have worked out. Those bets have come true. So Matt LaFleur wanted this type of defensive coordinator. I, I think Packers fans maybe have some misconceptions about what Matt LaFleur expected, what he wants, what he believed he was getting with Joe Barry. I think he knew exactly what he was getting. This is what he wanted. He wanted this type of defense. So that's important to remember. I think another thing that's important to talk about in the Joe Barry discussion is that I don't think his personnel has been as good as we thought. We came into last year thinking, well, this is this is a top defense in the NFL. I, I thought coming into this last year, it's a top one, two, three defense in the NFL, somewhere in there. A- and over the last two seasons, I've realized that our, our belief of the Packers' current personnel defensively is, is probably a little bit over overdone. Like, Jair is a very good player. I don't think he's a great, elite, top-of-his-position player. Kenny Clark is very, very good. I don't know that he's great. Tony, I don't know why I just did Tony. He's great. I don't know if he's great. I think he's very, very good. Rashawn Gary, you have to factor in the ACL injury, right now is a very good edge rusher. I don't know that he's great. I don't know that he's elite, top of the league at his position. He's not TJ Watt. He's not Miles Garrett. He's still very good, but he's not maybe number one edge rusher that can completely destroy a game, at least not with any sort of consistency. And that's not a knock on him. There's very few of those guys in the NFL. But I thought that the Packers had great player here, great player here, great player here, great. They have a lot of very good. They don't have a lot of great. And then last year, Rashawn Gary gets hurt. And this year, Jair Alexander's missed a lot of time. And they traded Russell Douglas. So I think that our expectation coming into last year, and probably our expectation coming into this year, was a little strong for what Joe Barry could actually do with the personnel that he was given. And I think we overvalued his personnel just a little bit. So that's something that's important to consider when discussing Joe Barry. Again, I'm just trying to be fair. Another thing that I'll give Joe Barry credit for is that he has managed each of the last three years, I think, to coordinate and to coach his best defense at the right time. Down the stretch in 2021, that defense is great. It held the 49ers to... The 49ers didn't score an offensive touchdown in that playoff game, right? They knocked Russell Wilson around late in the year. They just blasted him six ways till Sunday. They looked their best late in 2021, late in the season in December into January. Last year, the Packers' defense was contributing to winning football at a high level in the second half of the year. Yeah, Justin Jefferson ran wild on him in week one. Okay. Late November, December, that defense looked good. And then this year... This Packers defense is getting results late in the year. And you could say, but Grant, they're getting a little lucky. Well, I don't know. A little luck is required in the NFL, absolutely. But Joe Barry does his best work late in the season, consistently. And I think that's a massive notch in his belt. That's really, really important to me. I want everyone peaking and feeling their best at the most important time. And you can say that of Joe Barry. So again, I'm just... Throwing out a couple disclaimers with Joe Barry. Joe Barry is the exact type of defensive coordinator and runs the exact type of scheme that Matt LaFleur wanted. I think we've overvalued his personnel and his talent just a little bit. And you have to factor in that his defenses peak at the right time. I think this year especially, you have to give Joe Barry credit for doing more with less. Craig Council-esque, almost. He's got no secondary left. Jair's gone. Rasul Douglas is gone. Eric Stokes. 
we hardly knew ye, right? The safety group was poor coming into the year, and Darnell Savage has missed most of the year, and he was their their best, their at least most experienced, most trustworthy safety, for whatever that's worth. So it's been a lot of Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon and Corey Ballantyne and Carrington Valentine, and yet they've done okay. Now, there's some drops against the Chargers and some turnovers against the Lions, but the Packers force those turnovers. So you can tell, we've been talking about Joe Barry for six or seven minutes here, and this is a twisted mess, right? This is what I'm trying to emphasize to you. There's a lot at play here. This is not a surface-level, easy conversation to have. Now, I saw some tweets earlier today about how the Packers' defensive numbers still aren't that great. The results are good. The points-per-game results are good. 18th in yards allowed, 22nd in EPA per play, 21st in success rate, 18th in DVOA, 14 points in points per possession. Not terrible and better than last year, but still not great, okay? Now, again, with this personnel group, should we be expecting great? Should we be expecting excellent? I, I don't know. I, I think for a team that doesn't, again, doesn't have a secondary. Jair's gone. Rasul Douglas is gone. Eric Stokes never really came back and played. We thought he might. The safeties were bad coming into the year, and they've gotten worse. They've been missing guys throughout the year. Is it really fair to expect excellent? Is it really fair to expect great from Joe Barry's defense this year? I, I don't know that it is. I don't know that that's fair. I don't know that that's reasonable. On my show last night, we talked about Joe Barry's defense, right? The, the too high, put a lid on the defense. That's really good against Patrick Mahomes. That's really good against Josh Allen. That's really good against big play quarterbacks who have a little Favre streak in them. They want to push the ball down the field. They want to force the envelope and, and make things happen or, or push the envelope, force the issue, I believe would be the, the correct analogies, the correct ex- expressions, right? But maybe this defense struggles a little bit more uh, against teams with subpar quarterbacks. It's like, hey, you put a lid on Patrick Mahomes, that's great, but then you let Kenny Pickett and uh, Najee Harris run the ball all over you for 200 yards. You let the Falcons run all over you for 200 yards. I would like, if there's one if there's one thing I would like to see from Joe Barry over the last month of the season, I would like to see a slightly different defensive strategy versus Patrick Mahomes and Tommy DeVito. You know what I mean? This Giants offensive line is terrible in pass protection. And Tommy DeVito is terrible. The Giants are terrible. We don't need to to play back and play no doubles against the Giants. They're not going to hit too many doubles. We don't have to worry about them hitting doubles. Get after them. Disrupt them. Try to strike them down where they stand. Don't wait for them to hit checkdowns and dink and dunk their way down the field. 608-321-1670. Let's take a call and then we'll take a break. Bill Michaels Show. Welcome. Who's this? Tyler in Brookfield. Tyler in Brookfield. What's going on, Tyler? Nice to hear from you. Doing good, uh, Grant. No, the thing that I have that's the problem with Joe Barry, and I know a lot of other people that have, mm-hmm. is that he just doesn't adjust his game plans to the opponent. He just runs his defense and just thinks that that's going to be good enough. Like, I remember last year, it was and the year before, they were facing Baker Mayfield after they traded Odell Beckham Jr. That's right. So there's absolutely no downfield threat, and they're still playing – eight yards off the ball on third and three, and they're just getting the ball rammed down their throat. Yeah. They forced three turnovers, and the game should have been nowhere near as close as it was. That's right. Like, they absolutely dominated that game, but it was a close game because they were just playing three defensive linemen and playing off the ball. That was the Christmas so game, they right? Just... They, they, If I remember correctly, they probably should have lost that game. 
oh, they absolutely should have. They were it was stupid. They had like thirty carries, and it was like nine yards a carry. Yeah. I um. And it's like it's not even like they had an elite quarterback. They had Baker Mayfield, the guy's on his fourth team in the last like two years. And, and they play these light fronts, Tyler. I, it's not that they don't have defensive linemen. I, I they don't maybe have Pro Bowlers up there other than Kenny Clark, but. I really like what I've seen from Carl Brooks. I think the Packers like what they've seen from TJ Slayton. I like there are some guys that you have Lucas Van Ness now that you can rotate in and out. I think you can play a little bit of a heavier front against some of these quarterbacks that aren't going to damage you and, and try to take a little bit of the run away. Don't don't open the doors for a running back to fall forward for four yards at a minimum, you know, Tyler? Right, exactly. And like, that's the Monday night here. We can't be just giving up these light boxes to Saquon Barkley. No matter how bad the Giants' offensive line is, it's yeah. still Saquon Barkley. We yeah. He's going to run all over us. He just did it last year. Like, there's got to be a change in the game plan to fit that fits your opponent. You yeah. got Tommy, my mom does my laundry, DeVito at quarterback. <laughs> like, Yeah. Make him beat you. Make him beat you. And, and the nice thing about football, and Tyler, I got to take a break. I appreciate the call. It was nice to hear from you, okay? Yeah, you too, Grant. Yeah, have a good one. Have a good weekend. Enjoy all the games. Uh, we don't, we're not talking about sea changes, wholesale changes here, Tyler. Just little tweaks here and there. Let's play a slightly heavier front, or, or let's make a more concerted effort to, to take away the run. I'm not worried about Tommy DeVito beating me down the field consistently. And I guess if he does, then you know what? Like, I'll live with it. I'd rather live with that than live with Saquon Barkley running for six or seven yards a pop and Tommy DeVito hitting check down, check down, check down, check down. I, I would rather force him to make the big time throw because I don't think he can. I think I, I think Saquon Barkley is perfectly capable of marching this offense up and down the field on the Packers soft front. I, I am not confident at all that Tommy DeVito can do that through the air through some sort of aerial assault. Let's take a three-minute break. Tyler Dunn, go long TD, just a couple minutes away. I can't wait to talk to Tyler. A lot to discuss with him and some of the reporting that he's put out this week, but let's take a three-minute break first. Bill Michaels Show. My name is Grant Bills on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Yeah, I'll shamelessly plug it. Bill Michaels Show back in three minutes. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, 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 I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Ho, ho. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella now, pay later. <laughs> Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See showroom for details. Offer ends 12-31-2023. Bill Michaels Show. Happy Friday. Thanks for listening. Bill's out today. He'll be back on Monday, which would be nice because we can still preview Packers-Giants Monday. Still chat with Mike Clemens. Get ready for the game. It'd be great. 
the schedule isn't thrown off too much. Bill's taking the day, getting ready for the big Christmas party tomorrow night, which might just be Bill's Super Bowl. I think this party is Bill's Super Bowl. After listening to some of the things that he said, all the work, all the preparation that's gone into it, he might be preparing more for this Christmas party than the Packers and Matt LaFleur preparing for the Giants. Bill's staying up all night. He's running beers in and out of the fridge during commercial breaks. He's getting ready, so... Keep Bill in, in your thoughts and prayers as he prepares for uh, his Super Bowl tomorrow night. Tyler Dunn going to join us here in about 10 minutes. And it's funny because Tyler comes on the show basically every week. I, I remember early on this year, you know, as I'm talking to Tyler, it's like, hey, can you come on Friday at 1130, whatever. He's like, hey, if you guys, you know, want me on as a routine guest, I'd, I'd love it. Right. I love coming on. I love Bill. He's, he's got ties in Wisconsin. Lived in Green Bay, covered the Packers, Bleacher Report, Journal Sentinel. He was on the beat, right? So Tyler is, for the most part, a routine guest. Every time, you know, every once in a while, he's traveling. He's got to meet with a player, this, that, the other thing. But for the most part, Tyler's on every week. So his standing spot today, 1130. I was excited to talk to Tyler. And then yesterday, and, and, and between Wednesday and yesterday, Tyler's reporting of the Buffalo Bills becomes like the center of the NFL universe. For some of the things that he wrote about. So now I got to ask him about this. I want some clarification on the story that just makes Sean McDermott look really, really bad. Um, And some people are saying that it's like you set out, you set out to assassinate a man's character. What's with the character assassination allegations this week? Like Diana Rossini reported, you know, Zach Wilson's not too keen on coming back in for the Jets. Just reported that. Aaron Rodgers like, that was designed to assassinate a man's character. It's like, oh, well, was it? I don't know. He doesn't want to play quarterback for the Jets. I, I think a lot of people are like, all right, dude, I get it. Makes sense. They've benched you two or three times. They've dragged you out back and forth, knocked you around. The O-line stinks. You got one good wide receiver. Offensive coordinator really isn't a real offensive coordinator. Probably more of a buddy to Aaron Rodgers. I don't blame Zach Wilson. We're not wanting to play anymore. His number one goal should be getting out of New York and getting a fresh start somewhere. What a disaster. Oh, an assassinate a man's character. Well, I don't know. Someone went on the record to talk about it. It was very clear that that was the situation, according to Diana Rossini. I'm inclined to believe her. So then Tyler Dunn sits down with two dozen sources around the Bills organization. By the way, a Bills team that's not having a good year. They're 500. They're really, really underperforming. They were one of the, the favorites in the AFC. And their struggles are even more damning given that the Jets have been a catastrophe. The Patriots have been a catastrophe. The Bengals are basically out of the mix because of a Joe Burrow injury. The Chargers have been no good. The Raiders and the Broncos have been no good. I didn't expect really either of those teams to be great, but they're both worse than I think the consensus expectation was. The AFC is way, way less competitive than we thought it would be coming into this year, and that hasn't meant squat to the Bills because they're 500 and can't get out of their own way. So the Bills are having a bad season. Offensive coordinator has been fired. It's not completely surprising that maybe some folks are asking, hey, what's going on with this Sean McDermott guy? Do we need to look maybe a little critically at the job that he's doing? So Tyler Dunn, thinking along those same lines, I'm sure that a lot of people are thinking along. Says, well, I'll write about it. Let me talk to a bunch of my Bills sources. I'm plugged in. Let's learn a little bit about Sean McDermott and what he's good at, what he's bad at, this, that, and the other thing. And the sources were not complimentary. Okay, is that a character assassination? Or or is that how research is supposed to be done? You know, I, I did not have a long, rigorous college academic career. 
went for four years of undergrad. I got a degree in communications. Okay. It's not like I went to school for nuclear physics. All right. I will put my hand up and admit that. Actually, I went for four years and a semester uh, because after graduation, someone realized that I was like three credits short because I dropped a flag football class that I wasn't supposed to drop. So I had to take an online class over the summer. So really, four and a half, I, I was more of a lifelong learner than most. It, it took me a little bit longer because I craved knowledge and craved learning and, and didn't want to stop even after I, I thought I'd graduated. But in college, I didn't have a lot of exams. I wrote a ton of papers, did a lot of research. That was my degree. You learn how to research. You learn how to compile that research and how to organize and how to label that research and how to do a lit review and this, that, and the other thing. When you write a research paper or when you write your findings or, or, or explore a topic, the order of operations is not, I have a conclusion. I will go dig for people that back up my conclusion. The process is, I wonder about this. Let me go ask a bunch of people and do research. Then I will draw my conclusion. And it's not really that hard to see in Tyler's work that he's like, hey, what's going on with the Bills? And then all of his sources say, the Sean McDermott cat is maybe not the greatest coach. So then he drew that conclusion. Right, but I'm excited to talk to Tyler Dunn. I would also like to talk to him about Jordan Love because Tyler Dunn's been like a day one Jordan Love guy. And if not for this Bill story, we'd probably talk about that for 15 minutes. But uh, Tyler's reporting this week, including a bizarre 9-11 story, has kind of become the center of the NFL universe. So let's take our break. We'll get to Tyler Dunn. Go long TD next on the Bill Michaels Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hear that? It's the sound of a winning December at Potawatomi. Play with your club card December 7th, 14th, and 21st. The more you play, the bigger your share of 400000 in reindeer rewards. And like a classic Midwest winter, the winds can really pile up. Dash to Potawatomi Casino Hotel, Milwaukee for your reindeer rewards. 400 grand worth. Learn more at PaysBig.com. Must be 21 years old and a club member to play. Bill Michaels show rolling along. Ryan Glassbeagle going to join us coming up at noon. Dan Duggan covers the Giants for the Athletic. Going to give us a little eye on the enemy. Classic sports radio cliche. But it's a cliche that I really like. We'll ask him about the Giants. It's a team that we don't really talk about a lot. They were in the spotlight at the beginning of the year with some high expectations. Exciting year last year. Daniel Jones extended. And then they sucked. So they were relegated to like the the fourth Fox game every week. They haven't been on primetime. They got a backup quarterback. No one talks about him. So it'll be useful information because we don't have a lot of information about the Giants. No one talks about him. Right now, Tyler uh, Tyler Dunn, go long is here. So Tyler, yesterday, I, I start seeing some things about the Bills on, on Twitter. There was a story that came out, some weird Sean McDermott things. And I, I looked at some of the anecdotes and then I realized, wait, this is Tyler's story. Like, I subscribed to it. I got to read this. So this caught me off guard yesterday. You've had a busy week. You put out a, a great Bill story about Sean McDermott. Uh, kudos on an awesome story that's really making a lot of people pay attention and, and look critically at a Buffalo team that's underperforming. That's it, right? I think we all see how these games are ending for the Bills, right? Constantly. It's 13 seconds, booted through the end zone, lacks coverage, the Hale Murray, mm-hmm. the fourth and 18, the Philly Neal. And, and I think here locally and probably even nationally, everybody's kind of wondering, like, 
why? <laughs> How does this team with Josh Allen, with the Super Bowl window, constantly fall short? So I uh, just try to talk to as many coaches, players, personnel uh, that have passed through the building as I could. Ended up being 25. And uh, surprise, surprise, right? The, the, the head coach is central to so many issues there, whether it's the workplace environment, how he treats the other assistant coaches, to uh, just the, the, the word, honestly, that came up quite a bit was fraud. And if people want to check it out, they can. Uh, I think this team really did break in a lot of ways in Kansas City with that 13-second game. It never really was dealt with head-on. And uh, here they are, right? Six and six. Kansas City up next. Dallas after that. They, they, they can still kind of salvage things. They've got talent. They've got the quarterback. They don't have the coach. Yeah. So you, you as a journalist and, and you know, others have gone to Kalen Kaler put out a Rogers story. Diana Rossini's put out a story. Like we've experienced this as Packers fans where reporting has come out and no one like rejects it. We all believe that it's true, but everyone has a problem with it because it makes someone look bad. And that's the criticism of your story that I see. It's like, well, you set out to make Sean McDermott look bad. You set out to accomplish this. Can you tell me just to clarify the process of the story, where did you start and how did you get to the story that has now been released and everyone is reading? Yeah, I mean, if there, that criticism, I would love to hear from people who can provide specific examples on what is incorrect here, right? Like, okay, that's, that's what you feel, that's what you believe. Is it, is it not true yeah. that, it, that it was a dark day at one Bills drive when all of the Bills wide receivers chipped in and bought the coach a truck, and you were jealous, and you didn't like it. Is that is that not true, right? Like, is it not true that you routinely threaten to fire your assistants? I mean, it's that's that's what's just kind of funny about it. I mean, we talked about all this back in in the Aaron Rodgers days with that story of Bleacher Report. I mean, yep. it, <laughs> you provide specific examples uh, to try to lift up the curtain on how this league really works, and if people want to learn. Uh, uh, you know, something beyond the press conference, great. If not, if they prefer the presser slop, then that's fine too. So let me ask you, this is this applies to the Bills, but it's also a, a bigger picture question about football and, and just about sports. I think it really wears on a team, Tyler, when they have Super Bowl expectations every year and they don't get it done. Now, the Packers were an interesting example because they won one early and then came up short for years, but they always had that one, you know, a team like the Bills. And we've seen lots of teams. They've had a Super Bowl window. They get close, they fail. They get close, they fail. They get close, they fail. That really takes its toll on a locker room. I think on the spirit and on the soul level, it's crushing to be in that position. That's the position the Bills are in. What does a coach, in, in your opinion, need to do? How does an organization best handle sky-high expectations that continue to come up short? Because I really think that takes its toll on a locker room. It does, and it has. And at least Green Bay won a Super Bowl, right? Yes. Like, at least they got one. <laughs> the, the Bills haven't. And I think that a lot of these players, especially on the offensive side of the ball, was, was my feeling, looking a little exasperated and exhausted by – putting this team in a position to win the game and the defensive head coach, now the defensive play caller, finding a way to extract defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Their record in games, so when they're leading between one to eight points uh, with two minutes to go, they're seven and five. That's by far like the worst in the NFL, I believe. And, so, and they don't have a win in overtime with Josh Allen, do they? No, no. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they, they've been really they bad don't. in overtime too. 
Jeez. Yeah. So I mean, I think that yeah, that mentally to answer your question, I think it absolutely takes a toll. It's such a it's 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 a hard tightrope to walk as a coach, and I think you need a certain touch. And it would seem from your reporting, and we all believe that this is all true. Uh, that McDermott maybe doesn't have that touch, so we'll see what happens. You know, with the rest of the Bills season, I got to ask you about Jordan Love because you are writing these long stories with his quarterback coach and with people familiar with Jordan Love long before he ever started starting, and now he looks like the guy that that you wrote about and the guy that you hyped up when we've talked about Jordan Love and, and that 2020 draft in the past. So, what have you seen the last couple of weeks, and and, and what have you seen in his game? You're like, yep, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've heard about. That's what I've wrote about. Just tell me about how you've reacted to what you've seen from Jordan Love the last couple of weeks. Man, he he definitely has broken through <laughs> officially. I, I think that that is why everyone in Wisconsin and beyond, if you follow the Packers, should be ecstatic. I mean, th- this is why they drafted him. This is why they believed in him. Because I think they knew, the Packers, Brian Gutekinds, Matt LaFleur, that he, he does have the traits that you can't necessarily coach up or inject into a quarterback. I mean, watch his expression during games. He never gets too high, never gets too low. He's, he's mentally tough. He's got the temperament you need at that position, let alone that position in Green Bay, replacing Aaron Rodgers, who replaced Brett Favre. Yet he's also big, strong, athletic, can move, can make all the throws, can, can uh, throw at different arm angles, all this stuff. I, I keep going back to that last year at Utah State when he lost so many guys to graduation, so many guys to injuries. He had to improvise all the time. The numbers weren't always that great, but he found a way to make some plays. So he was unbelievably raw. They, they knew that. That's why they took him while they still had Aaron Rodgers playing some pretty good football. And now he, he has reached a point where he can get into a rhythm. I mean, you can just kind of feel it. He, he is in the zone right now. And he's done it now against some really good teams. So I don't know how this season's going to end. I mean, they've got a, a very winnable schedule, obviously. They should be able to get into the playoffs with who they're facing here. But I think big picture is what you're more excited about. Like, this is the guy. Like, this yeah. is somebody you could build a team around. And now you know he's your guy next year. Eventually they'll get out of financial hell. And they'll be able to, like, sign some guys. That's what's interesting. All these receivers are first- and second-year players. Mm-hmm. They've, they've all been growing together. And that's a good thing, but it can be a bad thing. Look at the Pittsburgh game. Like, oh, youth yeah. was not served then. But I think that the fact that they're growing together, maybe when they can go even sign another weapon that with experience, they elevate into legit Super Bowl contention as early as next year. Hell, why, why, why not make a run this year? I mean, the way they're playing, they're hot at the right time. Well, and I, I played a comment from Matt LaFleur earlier in the show where he, he basically said, this is all of us growing together. Right, It's the young wide receivers figuring out how to run routes and be at the right time. The offensive line working out warts. Jordan Love learning to play with more confidence. And Matt LaFleur figuring out how to push the buttons on a really young team after coaching a veteran team that was Super Bowl or bust for the last four years. Right, So I think everything is is new and they're all learning together this year. You're really connected, Tyler, and you speak with folks in a lot of different organizations. You travel around, you go to camps, you go to stadiums. What is the perception of Matt LaFleur league-wide what what do folks believe that he's good at what what is what is he bad at what is the league perception of of Matt LaFleur and the job that he does as the Packers head coach I I think that he is absolutely earning himself some street cred right now with this Mm. team with this quarterback and I'm sure Matt LaFleur could have stories to tell good and bad about what it was like coaching Aaron Rodgers a lot of good right MVP seasons a lot of wins not a lot of losses but we haven't necessarily been able to see his offense in full. Um, 
like I said, there's there's a lot of good to that when Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams can kind of operate on the fly and do their thing. But I, I think now we're seeing his offense. And Jordan Love isn't going to be improvising and changing plays at the line of scrimmage with Christian Watson because they worked on a play six years ago. You know, six years ago they're in high school, whatever, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, – you know, that we're seeing what a Matt LaFleur offense looks like, and that's where that respect comes in around the league is, oh, th- this is the kind of stuff he wants to do. You know, getting Jordan Love on, on the move in some critical situations, getting him into a rhythm. Uh, you saw some of it early in the year, then they had some injuries. Love struggled at times. The line struggled at times. Uh, it, it was really disjointed. You know, the Raiders game, the Broncos game, the Steelers game come to mind, but they've really turned a corner here, and they've done it without – stalwarts that we thought were in place to help a young quarterback yeah David Bakhtiari Aaron Jones right like these are these are guys you can look at the Packers ahead of this year and say he'll succeed because he's got a top 10 running back and a top five left tackle Mm -hmm. those pieces aren't there so that says a lot about Matt LaFleur too I think he's he's learned how to coach a brand new team, right? The dynamic has completely changed. The average age of players on his offense has completely changed. The disposition of his quarterback, the skill set of his quarterback. He's learning how to become a brand new coach of a brand new team basically this year. And that's why I think I've enjoyed watching him, you know, try to figure out this this puzzle. He's earning street cred. I like to hear that. Well, Tyler, yeah. you don't need any more street cred. You have all the street cred on this show. We appreciate you coming on whenever we can get you. Thank you so much. And I love your reporting. I'm, I'm going to look for for whatever you write, and, and I'm always going to read it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, man. Anytime. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, have a good one. That's Tyler Dunn. Go long, TD. It's his sub stack. I was talking with Ben Kenny yesterday because Ben sent me this weird, you see what Sean McDermott said about 9-11? I was like, shut up. I was like, wait, Tyler Dunn wrote this story? I actually subscribe to Tyler Dunn because I I think I pay for The Athletic and I pay for Tyler because Tyler comes on this show every week. He comes on my show whenever I like Tyler rules and he's got Wisconsin ties and, and he does write really good stories. He's super plugged in and, and a lot of these stories are very meaty. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of bang for the buck with a Tyler Dunn story. Put it that way. So if you are someone who likes reading at sports, just a little bit of an extra level. You're like, I would subscribe to one or two things just to, to drink or not to drink, to read while I'm drinking my coffee. That's always what I, I say about Tyler Dunn. It's like on a Saturday morning when you have a couple of minutes and you just want to sit down and, and you want to read something while you're having your morning coffee. Tyler Dunn stories are great. And this Sean McDermott story is nuts. Um, and for everyone who says, well, it's character assassination. It's char- Well, I don't know. He talked to 25 sources. You're telling me you rigged all 25 sources to say bad things about Sean McDermott? Like, come on. So go read the story. Draw whatever conclusions you want. I always appreciate his Packers analysis as well as someone who has experience with the team and a good league-wide perception as well because he is plugged in with so many organizations and, and covers and follows so many teams. So a true football guy, a no-nonsense football guy. I love Tyler, and we appreciate him always. Let's take a break. Ryan Glassbeagle, New York Post, going to join us at 12 o'clock. I would imagine that this whole 9-11 story with Sean McDermott that's so ridiculous uh, has become a story in and around the folks at the New York Post. We'll have to ask about that. Some other sports media stories and uh, the Packers as well as Ryan's a big Wisconsin sports fan down there in Chicago uh, on the other side of the border. So we'll do all that. Let's take our final three-minute break of the hour. Come back and continue the Bill Michaels Show next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Ho, ho, ho.
Oh, I need a window. Maybe it's cold outside. So where do I go? Oh, oh. Come on, Santa. Go to Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now is the time to replace your leaky windows and doors. You and Mrs. Claus can get your new windows while putting no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. Unwrap this gift now, but pay for it later. More jingle that stays in my pocket. That's right, Santa. Plus, our elves install year-round and in as little as one day. Pella offers lines in luxurious wood to fiberglass and vinyl. Why not make a New Year's resolution today? That's the spirit, Santa. Pella, no. Pay later. Absolutely. Put no money down, no payments, and no interest for up to 18 months. But you have to hurry. Offer ends December 31st. Schedule your free consultation today at PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. See show for details. Offer ends 1231-2023. How are we looking? Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. Just wrapping up hour number two. Oh, man, we're loaded. Loaded next hour. Ryan Glassbeagle, just a couple minutes away, New York Post. He's going to join us at high noon, 12 bells. And then Dan Duggan covers the Giants for the Athletic. He's going to join us at 12.30. Get a little eye on the enemy. Let's get an eye on our team. Let's talk about our Packers with Uncle Packer, Mike, up in Eau Claire, listening on our Eau Claire affiliate, WAYY. Mike, what's going on today? Welcome. Hey, Grant. I'm just having a wonderful 50-degree Wisconsin day, you know? Oh, it's beautiful. I had to go for a walk yesterday after Bill's show. I just stood out in the sun and closed my eyes, just soaked it in. You know, I don't want global warming to hurt the earth, but it wouldn't bother me if you want to Wisconsin a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not like I remember as a kid. You know, um, I was listening to that last uh, – Tyler, that's good stuff, man. He's yeah. really, that guy's sharp. I enjoyed that. You know, I'm thinking the Packers have a – you know, I've been thinking about this. this. There's like defenses that marry your offense. And I think we're almost like a come, we're a play with the lead defense. You know, where they've got to make long passes. We've got the Tyne brothers, you know, Valentine and Valentine. They're twitchy, they're quick, they're both fast. Love. And I think they cover better when we're with a lead, when we play with the lead. So when our offense starts out fast, our defense plays better that way. I know there's an outlier. I know we lost the game that they were ahead at halftime and lost. But most of the games, when we get a lead, we can keep a lead. And do you think I'm way off of that? No, I think it's a lot easier to force a team to dink and dunk when they're trailing, right? Because when you're in the lead, when you're playing with the lead, you kind of want to dink and dunk to a certain extent. You want to possess the ball. You want to march down the field, dominate the clock. But when the Packers are up, as they were up, you know, whatever, 14 to 3, force the Chiefs to go slow, force them to play little by little, and every once in a while you'll get lucky. You'll get a sack. You'll get a hold. You'll get a fumble or a pick. And that's exactly what happened. So the Packers, yeah, this defense is designed to play with a lead. Totally. Yeah, I like that. I think that's what we need to do is get a fast start. We've been doing that lately. And then just play from the point where we're not going to give you the big play. We're going to keep you in and bend and not break. A bend and not break defense. That yeah. sounds like what we need. I'm, I'm so impressed with everything. And I really am now starting to see an offense run by LaFleur and not by Rodgers. And I, I like it. I like the passes. I like the sweeps. I like all that motion that's going on. It's amazing. They're breaking this stuff down, and you're seeing just this minute. Every play has got somebody doing something. Yeah. There was a play where all the offensive linemen went left, and here comes Tucker uh 
craft coming right, and he just opens an amazing hole. It's just like I love this offense. I think it's going to be really good. I don't I'm, think Matt LaFleur could really went. sprinkle in everything you wanted to sprinkle until he felt like the wide receivers had the basics down and the O-line cleaned it up. And, and now that we have a nice base of foundation, I think we're seeing Matt LaFleur sprinkle in different things every single week, including a ton of motion against the Chiefs. So much motion. Right. Well, like, I have a very military background. I spent 23 years in the Navy. And the commanding person says, hey, do this. And if you don't do it, you're wrong. Well, what we've been going on with LaFleur is his field general will say, well, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do this way. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to, I'm going to call out of that and do it. So we've never really seen Matt LaFleur's offense until this year. And I'm impressed. I like it. It's sharp. And I like his eyebrows. Yeah, well, that, but, he looks sharp. <laughs> he does. He's, he's, he looks very clean. Okay, so I want to talk about the Bucks game last night. We Let's got about 45 quick. seconds. Hit me. Okay, it gave me terrible nightmares. It's just like if the three-pointer's not falling, the Bucks aren't winning. It's just like, wow. It was just you know, we had a chance to come back and win that game, and about you know, uh, we just could, couldn't sink a three pointer, and it just like it just reminded me of the playoffs last year, and God, that hurts. Yeah, they had a couple chances to hit threes, they didn't hit. They had opportunities at the rim, they didn't hit. They missed free throws. They turned the ball over. They were right there. I mean, they had everything lined yeah, up to right close there. the game, and they couldn't close it. Uh, so that's yeah, that's what well, it came that's down to what we've Robert. been doing in the playoffs. That's what we've been doing in the playoffs, but that's what we did in this playoff, mid-season playoff, yeah. is that we were right there till the end, and then we got ourselves out of it. So Here we did. I hope it changes. I hope it changes before the real playoff. Yeah, we anyway, got plenty thank, of time. Thank you my call. Yeah, you got it, Mike. Have an awesome weekend, okay? All right, you too. Thanks, Grant. Bye. Yeah, you got it. Uncle Packer up in Eau Claire. Thanks for listening on WAYY. Let's take a two-minute break. We'll get Ryan Glassbeagle on the horn. New York Post. Talk about some sports stories, some sports media stories, some Packers. It'll be great. Uh, and he's down in Chicago, so you better believe I'm going to ask him about Craig Council. Bill Michael's show, back in two minutes.